Um, good morning. It is lovely to see you this morning. I'm gonna, this is going to be a talk in two halves, like a game of football. Um, the second half, I'm going to continue our series on where the Spirit, where the spirit blows. Um, but I'm going to start this morning by sharing about the trip that myself and Bethan took to Bulgaria a couple of weeks ago, just to update you um, on that. Um, this church, we've got a, um, a history of missions partnerships. So going back 15, 20 years, a long-standing partnership with the vineyards in Kenya. Um, there weren't any. There are now about 100 vineyards in Kenya, vineyard churches, which is amazing. Um, right now, we have two main partnerships. Uh, the first is with the vineyard in Nigeria, led by dear brother Sunday Martins here. Uh, the second partnership is with the vineyard in Bulgaria, which is less led by Nasco Lilov. So Nasco goes out to Bulgaria at least a couple of times a year, but twice a year he takes uh, one or two people from this church to go with him. Um, and this past trip in May, myself and Bethan went with him. So this is what we did. We flew into Sofia. Click. Sofia is on the west. It's the left side. Then uh, we drove um, up to Plevin, which is sort of in the middle in the north. Um, and on Saturday, NASCO taught a seminar to a bunch of pastors and leaders in a Pentecostal church in Plevin on how we do church in the vineyard. Um, that's followed on from some other teaching that he's given out there. There were about 100 plus pastors and leaders out at this um, seminar morning. Um, and, and how we do church in the vineyard is very new um, in, in sort of the context of Bulgaria. So we, we did that click, click again. That's some of the young leaders we met. Click again. We then had lunch with a couple of pastors of a Pentecostal church that actually live close to where Nasco lives. Um, delightful couple. Um, just some links going back in their history to the vineyard when they were in the US. So just a really good relationship to start um, sort of nurturing there. Then we drove back to Sofia. Um, on the Sunday morning, click. Sorry, on the way to Sofia, we stopped at a little village called Pissero. This is where there is a vineyard church. So the guy third from the left is LSA. He's the pastor of that church um, with a couple of other of his team there. You can spot me. You can spot Bethan. Nasco is next to me in that picture there. So we stop there. If you click to the next slide, that doesn't look very interesting, but is actually really important. So one of the things that we did as a church a few years ago, we sent a gift to that church to do some building work. And what they did, that the house was sliding down the hill. So we put in some concrete foundations to stop it sliding down the hill. We put in a proper staircase, and we doubled the size of their meeting room by just moving some walls around, all for about 2,000 pounds. That's good value. <laughs> so that church is now standing up and is a, is a gathered community. So we went back to Sophia. If you click to the next slide, Rob. So on the Sunday morning, I preached in a Presbyterian church. It is not a vineyard, but it is a friend of the vineyard. So we preached there. And then in the afternoon, we went to another church in Sofia. Click. So it kind of meets in like this shop kind of building, but the people, were, it was, felt like the Acts of the Apostles. People were piling out the windows and doors. It was just uh, full of um, wonderful people. So we preached there. And then on Monday, we drove up to the north of Bulgaria to a town called Berkovitsa. 
Um, if you click to the next one, um, there's, there's three churches there that we are building connection with. By that time, we were really tired. So click. Bethan and I then went up to the mountains and got some fresh air and did some walking through some snow and around some lakes, which was amazing. So here's a few reflections. Firstly, NASCO is a really good guy. If you don't know NASCO, have a chat with NASCO and his wife, Tony. They are really good people. Secondly, many Bulgarian people are financially poor, but they are very hospitable and they are very spiritually hungry. Thirdly, building the vineyard in Bulgaria is going to take time, so we need to keep on keeping on. Keep on praying and keep on going to encourage them. And the fourth thing I would share is the Lord is at work. The Lord is at work. At the two Sophia churches that we preached in, um, I preached from Acts chapter 3, which is a story about Peter and John going to the temple and a, and a healing of a lame man. And, and I preached around one of my favorite vineyard sayings, which is this, everyone gets to play. It's not just for pastors and leaders. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit, which means you can get to do what Jesus did. And so I talked about that. And then we just pr I prayed our normal prayer, come Holy Spirit. And he did. And in each of those services, there were at least four or five dramatic physical healings as these Bulgarians prayed for each other because everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. Part of my story is this. Around about 33 years ago, I was reading the Gospels and I was reading the Acts of the Apostles. And I was reading how these bunch of ordinary disciples in the early church were doing amazing things. And at that point, I'd never really prayed for anybody for healing or for deliverance or for stuff like that. It just seemed to me that it be, should be normal for followers of Jesus to do what the book says. That, 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 this, that this should be true for us. This should be real for us. The big question was, how? You know, do we just need to pray a bit louder? My learning is, God isn't deaf. Doesn't need us to shout. Do we need to just hype things up? Again, what I've found is it's just chill out. Chill out. Do, can we buy the power of God? No. Go read Acts chapter 8. Can't buy it. So how can we do what Jesus did? Turn with me, if you've got a Bible, to John chapter 3 this morning. We're going to look at a, a conversation between Jesus and a guy called Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was one of the religious leaders of the time. And Nicodemus comes up to Jesus and basically says to Jesus, how are you doing all of these miraculous signs? And Jesus says to him, if you want to see the kingdom of God, we need to be born again. And Nicodemus says, what? I need to go back into my mother's womb? So this is what Jesus says to him. Verse 5, John chapter 3. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without born, being born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. 
The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. At the heart of this conversation, Jesus says we need to be born again. Now, I'm guessing most of us, if not all of us, have heard that phrase, right? Not always in a good way, particularly in the media. It tends to get used by sort of some extreme, fundamental, happy, clappy type Christians. That's how it tends to get used. Need to be quite clear, Jesus was the first person to use that phrase. So if we want to know what it means to be born again, I'm suggesting we trust Jesus. Don't trust the paper. Trust Jesus. Okay? Being born again is the way in to live the life we were created for. It's the way in. Without being born again, we're spiritually dead. But Jesus comes to bring us life. He comes to rebirth us spiritually. And so I hope if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, there's something in you that right now is saying, thank you, God. Amen? Amen. You can even say, thank you, Jesus. That is okay in church to say that. You can say that. If you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you're incredibly welcome. And I hope that what you hear today is Jesus's invitation to you to come alive, to live the life that you were destined to live. What I want to do is just spend these next little, little while just unpacking these verses, and then we're going to pray together. In the text that I read, and we don't quite see it in our English translation, but what Jesus does is he keeps using the same word again and again and again. So that is the English text. Magically, can you see it's slightly in red here? Six times in this text, Jesus uses the same or translated the same Greek word. He would have probably been speaking Aramaic. The word is pneuma. And pneuma is the word from which we get pneumatic, pneumonia, things like that. It is translated either as spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, spirit, lowercase s, our spirit, or wind or breath. But six times in this short little conversation, Jesus says the same word. Do you think he was trying to get something across? Like if you were Nicodemus, you kind of think, by the fifth or sixth time, Jesus, I've got it. I've got that you're talking about wind and spirit. There is something about this where Jesus is talking, how do you see the kingdom? And Jesus keeps saying, pneuma, 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 wind, breath. This is how you see the kingdom. And we see this thread running right through Scripture. So when you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, you see the way that the Spirit is hovering over the waters, like the breath of God hovering over the waters. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, you read that, that life is physically breathed into man by God. God breathes into his nostrils and he comes alive. Flick forward to John chapter 20. Jesus is with his disciples. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. How does the Spirit come? Fire and a rushing wind. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? Do you see this thread running through Scripture? Today, 
right here, right now, the breath of God is hovering over us. Amen? Amen. I can feel it. He's present here, hovering over our lives. He brings us alive through being born again. First thing I want to share, to be born again, we need to repent. That's the first thing that Jesus says to us. Verse 5, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water. And what Jesus is pointing to is the baptism of John the Baptist, a water baptism, a baptism of repentance. See, throughout the Bible, the Lord is constantly inviting people to turn around and come back home again. That is the big story of the Bible, the Exodus story. Turn around and come back home. That is what it means to repent. And God is constantly inviting. He's inviting us now to repent, to turn around. Now, you know the thing to do. If you get sent an invite like to a wedding, the polite thing to do is reply, right? What do you think we should do when God invites us to do something? Reply? That would be a good thing. My encouragement is, is make your response yes. So when the Lord is inviting us to turn around and open our hearts to him, the best response is to say yes. And so if you're here today and you'd say, well, I don't think I've ever taken that step for myself. You might have grown up going to church, but you'd say, I've never personally taken that step of saying yes to Jesus. You can do that right now. And, and I would just encourage you to pray a prayer something like this. Jesus, I'm sorry that I've been going my own way, that I've been trying to phone my own way in life, but Jesus, I hear your invitation to come home. And so I'm making a decision today, I'm making a choice today to turn around and to come back home, to come into friendship with you. And so Jesus, I thank you for that offer. I'm saying yes. I'm opening my heart to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. If you've never prayed that prayer before, come and chat to one of us afterwards. Grab a Why Jesus booklet. There are other packs on the stage here that can help, take, uh, help you take next steps in a life of following Jesus. Once we've said yes to Jesus, there are a couple of other smart things to do. The first is keep saying yes. See, repentance isn't a one-off thing. I don't know if you're anything like me. I suspect you are. I mess up. Anyone else like me? Some of you. <laughs> the others are not being honest, and therefore your hand should be up as well. We mess up, right? And so we keep coming back and we say, I'm sorry, I want to come back home again. And the second thing is if we've said yes to Jesus, but we've not yet been baptized, the next step is baptism. Being born again through the waters of baptism. If that's you, our next What is Baptism session is next Sunday morning after the 11.15 service. You can sign up online or at the back, and that's ahead of our baptisms on the 25th of June. So that's the first thing, we repent. Second thing, as we repent, we are born again. We are brought alive spiritually by the Spirit of God. Verse 5, we're born of water and the Spirit. Verse 6, the Spirit, capital S, gives birth to our spirit. Verse 7, Jesus says, you must be born again. 
In the same way that every one of us has a physical birth, we need a spiritual birth as well. We need to be born again. I was physically born when I was zero days old. I suspect that's the case for every one of us. Okay? When I was 11, I said yes to Jesus for myself. Question is, when did I receive the Holy Spirit? When was I baptized in the Holy Spirit. You might have heard that phrase used, uh, particularly in more Pentecostal settings, but talking about another experience. When I look at the words of Jesus in John chapter 3, Jesus says that unless we're born of the Spirit, we cannot enter God's kingdom. And so, at the moment of conversion, at that moment when we say yes to Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. So what that means is there are no first-class and second-class Christians. There are no Christians who have the Holy Spirit and people who don't have the Holy Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit in order to say yes to Jesus, in order to see the kingdom. See, when I was 11 years old, I said yes to Jesus, but I was in a church that didn't talk much about the Holy Spirit. And so it wasn't until I was about 14 years old that I had an experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And since then, one of my most common daily prayers is, God, I need more. I need you to fill me again. Why? Well, the great evangelist D.L. Moody was once asked that question, and his response was, because we leak. So we keep asking the Lord to fill us again. So what does it look like to be born again? How, how, what, what would that feel like, and what, how would that express in our lives. Well, let me explain it, or try and explain it this way. This is my birth certificate. There is a copy up there, a redacted copy. I've taken out my date of birth. You're welcome to have a guess, but I'm not putting it up there. This officially proves that I was born, okay? But I have never gone up to someone and said, hey, I'm alive and this proves it. Why? Because there's lots of other evidence that I'm alive. I don't need this at, my, at zero days old. I don't need this to prove that I'm alive today. Okay? I, my heart is going. I am breathing. I have got flesh and bones. There is a lot of other evidence that I'm alive beyond this. It is exactly the same for us spiritually. There may be a moment in our lives or a time in our lives when we said yes to Jesus, where we came into relationship with him, and that is wonderful. That is like a spiritual rebirth certificate. That was like, when you, that was like your spiritual birthday. But far more importantly is this. What evidence is there in your life and my life that I'm alive today, spiritually? That I'm born again today? That the Spirit of God is alive and active in my life today? What is the evidence of that? Because I love what Jesus says in verse 8, and I'm going to read it again in a moment. People often quote this verse to talk about what the Holy Spirit is like. 
in terms of the wind. You can't see what it's like. Imagine a tree outside with leaves on it. We can't physically see the wind, but we can see what the wind does. You can see the leaves flutter. And often people use this verse to say, well, the Holy Spirit is like that. And that is true, but read the verse carefully, because this is what Jesus says. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This verse is primarily talking about disciples. It is talking about people who are filled by the Holy Spirit. There are supposed to be things about our lives that are unexplainable but for the presence of the Holy Spirit. There should be times where somebody comes up to us and says, your life has changed. You are different. There is something about you, like, like six months ago, like something, how did you do that? And we'd go, I don't know. I don't know. Or there are times where we're going through deep difficulty in life and there are all sorts of challenges and tribulation going on in our life, but we find, and people come up to us and say, I can see all of this stuff that is going on around your life, but you seem calm and peaceful. How are you doing that? And you say, I don't know. Or there are times maybe you've prayed for somebody and they have been physically healed. Like we came back from that trip from Bulgaria and from these Sunday mornings, the people there could speak no English. And, and they could only speak Bulgarian. And I, I don't even have one word of Bulgarian yet. And I, was, I didn't even know which part of their body hurt. And we prayed and they were healed. And you kind of think, how? That, at one level, that's unexplainable, right? There should be things in our lives that are unexplainable. You see, for me, I want to live a how-did-that-happen kind of life. An unpredictable, unexplainable, but for the breath of the Holy Spirit kind of life. That's what I want. What about you? Do you want that? Because that's what Jesus is offering us. That's what he's offering us. So I'm going to share four things that I think can help us to live that kind of life, and then we're going to pray. The first is this. Keep turning to Jesus. Keep turning to Jesus. We have a vineyard saying, which is this. The way in is the way on. So often, the way we start a journey is the way that we are to continue a journey. The way in to the life of the Spirit, to this life of being born again that Jesus talks about, the way in is repentance, is turning to Jesus. And guess what? The way on is turning to Jesus, constantly turning to Jesus. Go on confessing our need of the Holy Spirit. Keep asking for more. I would humbly suggest that none of us here this morning will be saying in our hearts, you know, I have enough of the Holy Spirit in my life. If there's anybody saying that, come and pray for me afterwards. You're probably Jesus, but he hasn't returned yet. If you're like me, we need to keep coming back to Jesus and saying, 
I need more. You've promised a baptism of the Spirit, being born again of the Spirit. I need that again and again and again. So we keep coming back to Jesus. Second thing, look for what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life and in the lives of the people around you. I love that picture in verse 8 of the wind blowing. And we can't like physically see, but we can see what it does, right? Just like a tree with leaves, you can see what it does. We can learn to see the power of the Holy Spirit. We can learn to see it. One of the reasons in the vineyard why we strongly encourage each other to keep our eyes open when we're praying for people, there's lots of reasons why we do that, but one of the primary reasons is because we need to see where the power of the Holy Spirit is at work. And we can learn to see it. We can learn to see what He is doing. And as we learn to see it, and as we see Him at work, we can lean into it. We can press into it. We can ask for more. We can chase after what God is doing. And that leads to the third thing that I'm going to share this morning. We can catch the wind of the Spirit. We can actually catch His wind in our lives. Just like where Jesus talks about in verse 8, like you can't see the wind, but you can see what it does. Imagine yourself like that tree. We can catch the breath of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that I've been thinking about recently um, is this. I've been thinking about the difference between rowing and sailing. The difference between rowing and sailing. In both instances, you're in a boat on water. Okay? Rowing a boat is often hard work. Often hard work. Sailors look for the wind and raise a sail, and the wind does the work. Which of those sounds like verse 8 that we read in John chapter 3? In a life for God, in serving God, in ministry, in leading, we can often try and make things happen, work harder, row harder. One of the things that I'm trying to learn in my life is to put the oars down and to raise a sail. Because we are designed to sail, not row. Okay? I'm going to say that again so we get it. We are designed to sail, not row. We can catch the Spirit. We can catch you, that, that breath which we've seen right through the whole of Scripture, the breath that you see hovering over creation, the breath that brings us alive physically and spiritually, the breath of Pentecost, we can catch that in our lives if we'll put our sails up. If we'll put our sails up. Fourth thing, have a try. Seems to me the way to live an unexplainable life is by trying to do some unexplainable things. That's the way the unexplainable turns up, right? is when you have a try at doing something which can only be explained by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's as we pray for someone who is sick and something happens, and we've had a try at that, the unexplainable can turn up. It's as we cast out a demon in Jesus' name and freedom comes, 
and that, that sense of that unexplainable activity of the kingdom is as we have a try that that can show up. It's as we, you know, maybe you're in a supermarket and you just feel that nudge of the Holy Spirit, you know, why don't you go up to that person, there's a word of encouragement I've got for you for, to share with them. Or it might happen at church or with a neighbor or a friend or a work colleague. If we, because that's unexplainable, right? If, if we have that moment where the Lord speaks to us and we read somebody's mail and, you know, they, how did you know that? That's unexplainable, right? But for the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can try and see what the Lord does. It seems to me we find so much of the life of the Spirit by simply having a try. Simply have. If we try nothing, we'll see nothing. But if we try the unexplainable, we will see the unexplainable. So we never give up. We keep having a try. Amen?